BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, it's Jack. Before we begin the show, I want to talk to you about the All of Us Research Program. Hispanics are the largest ethnic minorities in the USA, up to 18% of the population. However, we are underrepresented in research studies, only 10%. This gap means researchers know less about our health. Hispanics deserve to be represented in studies so we can know more about our health and be as healthy as possible. As our population grows, so should our participation. Create a better future by participating. Just visit joinallofus.org slash highly relevant. Welcome to episode 158 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a show focused on Latinx pop culture and the artists and stories that are reshaping and influencing mainstream entertainment. I'm your host, Jack Rico, and before I get to my featured guest this week, which is Maximiliano Contenti, I wanted to talk to you about this Spotify experience I had. So Spotify called me about, I want to say about a month ago now. And uh, they reached out to me because they wanted me to host an episode of Music and Talk Unlocked. Now, this is a feature that Spotify has that they bought from Anchor FM. So Anchor FM is an app that you could create your own podcast from your phone. So Spotify ended up buying them and acquired a lot of the features that they had. And they believe that this is one of the really coolest features that the audio industry has, which is the ability to kind of just create your own shows where you use conversations and songs to kind of create a unique listening experience. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to create a mini series based on the format that people can listen to as a sample and then try and do. So they hit me up and we talked about what it was going to be like. We recorded it. Then we scratched it, we re-recorded it, and what you're going to be listening to. Here, I'll give you a snippet of what the episode sounds like. It's called Beat by Beat, where we're deconstructing the song of J Balvin's Mi Gente. Hola, what's up, everyone? My name is Jack Rico, host of Highly Relevant, a Latinx podcast, and Brown and Black, a podcast on race and pop culture. Big ups to Spotify for inviting me to host a show that embraces the Spanish language and celebrates our Spanish-speaking music. On this episode of Music and Talk Unlocked, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into a Spanish-language song you've surely heard of. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the origins, lyrics, and iterations of one of the most prolific Latinx songs of all time. Today, we're unpacking 2017's smash hit Mi Gente by J Balvin and Willie Williams. Super cool. I mean, I think when you get into the podcast industry for the very first time or any industry, the idea is to kind of, if you're ambitious at all, the idea is to get to the top of your industry. Um, 
why do people do this? Why do people care? Listen, some people are just built to reach the top of a mountain. The others aren't. And that's okay. No one's pressuring you. But some people like to do it. I'm one of those guys. I want to reach the top of the mountain all the time. For me in the podcast industry, when Spotify calls you, which to me is the top of the mountain, you want to be a part of it. So on this episode, I talked to Uruguayan filmmaker Maximiliano Contenti, whose new horror film, The Last Matinee, is in theaters right now. Mi hija se queda encargada de todo. We had a chance to discuss the 90s inspiration behind the film, as well as the influences for the giallo and the slasher films of the 80s and the 90s as well. And we also talk about and tackle colorism in Uruguayan and Argentine cinema. How does that relate to American cinema today? Plus, how does his generation's filmmakers feel about the Hollywood industry? Do they aspire to be a part of it or are they rebelling against it? But before we get to Maximiliano, it's time I give you my weekly recap of the top Latinx pop culture headlines in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie, TV, and music news of the week. John Leguizamo joins Anya Taylor-Joy and Ralph Fiennes in the psychological thriller The Menu. Bad Bunny tops Billboard Latin Music Awards with the most amount of nominations. Aubrey Plaza to star and produce in Emily the Criminal. Judy Ray is to star in the Lifetime movie Torn From Her Arms. Jamie Lynn Singler joins the cast of ABC's drama series Big Sky. Lana Parilla joins Anthony Rapp in the indie drama Scrap. Melissa Fumero will star in the comedy Bar Fight. Spain will serve as the backdrop for Wes Anderson's next feature starring Scarlett Johansson. Robert Rodriguez's El Rey Network will now move from Univision to the Roku channel, and the Museum of Broadway will open summer 2022. And in tech and social media news, Twitter is testing a newsletter subscription button on profile pages. Netflix is adding support for spatial audio on iPhone and iPad. The Spectrum TV app is back in Roku's channel store after being yanked. Google will add privacy steps for teenagers on its search engine and YouTube. Facebook and TikTok have banned the Taliban from their social networks. Spotify and the WWE Inc. exclusive podcast deal. And YouTube creators can now make $10,000 per month for making shorts. First of all, felicitaciones, congratulations on you making a movie. I say to people, anytime that anyone can make a movie and release it to the world to think about it, it's a miracle. It it's is. a miracle. <laughs> it so is. you've made a miracle and uh, wanted to talk about that miracle. It's called The Last Matinee, Al Morir La Matinee. No. Maxi, esta es una película donde tú le das homenaje a the Italian movies of the giallo, the slasher films that we grew up in the 80s watching, like Michael Myers, uh, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, on and on and on. Describe exactly what The Last Matinee is, and then let's get into why you decided to create a horror movie as your first film. It came out of a necessity in a way, the movie. I was... Uh, working, uh, I did other very, very independent films and documentaries, but I was working on what it would be like my, my first, uh, you know, international or more 
uh, you know, professional film for, for a long time. And that didn't work out. I couldn't get the finance. And it was a drama. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a horror film. But my heart is in, in, the, in the genre. It my, 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 comes naturally. And those were the short films. Mm. And it, very indie films that I did. So, yeah, um, once I said, okay, uh, I had to do something, I, got, I, 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 I went back to an idea that, that happened when I was shooting, I was shooting a commercial in this theater, the theater that we shot, the, um, which is a very, very old, uh, very special theater in, in the center of Montevideo. And it was and very I, haunting, correct? It felt haunted. It felt like the, 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 the you know, the mansion of the Shining. So like, <laughs> I was shooting there this commercial for it was a, a commercial for the movie day in Uruguay, which is a movie a day for go watch movies, get discount tickets and stuff like that. And I was look, I was looking around. I said, this place calls for a movie. So once I couldn't manage to make the other serious film that I was trying and trying, I went back to this idea and started developing The Last Man in It. So that's, that's how it came. It came from the, the location. This theater was the inspiration. And mm -hmm. so later, I mean, it came naturally to be uh, making this story in the 90s because that was the last era, the last golden era of theater. Mm. The time that I fell in love with movies in those theaters, in that theater. So that all came together. And then, okay, which kind of horror should it be? Okay, which which one came naturally? Okay, a slasher. And this let's make it a really celebrational film about horror and about films and 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 movie theater. Right, like uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. If you rewatch that music video again, there's these beautiful scenes uh, that are very nostalgic and vintage of Michael Jackson sitting down at a movie theater, much like the way you had created the little boy who was watching the movie. But it was, I think that particular scene was much more evocative because it was a black man uh, in a horror film that we had not really seen that skin color uh, prevailed as a protagonist within these, you know, genres. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of those influences for us of, of what, what, what your aesthetic, you know, did. Yes. Yes, and now that you you mentioned that that thriller was was one right in you know in the back of my head all the time, that 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 style and and and, and that John Landis uh, music video or short film, yeah, very it's a much short film, yeah, it is a short <laughs> film, and uh, yeah, I love I love that 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 thriller, <laughs> the whole thing, but yeah, uh, of course it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a the, the biggest, I think, the biggest influence, of course, is the 80s slashers, but also <laughs> the 90s slashers, in a way, combined, and especially the era and my experience as a kid in that in that, in that time. It, it's a fantasy uh, Montevideo in the 90s. It's, it's a fantasy kind of, but also I wanted to, 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 to keep it grounded in some reality, in some form. So I brought up... Uh, Commercials from that era. Anything that I could just pick up, uh, magazines, everything, just it's filled with all those things. 
So let me ask you a little bit about uh, Uruguayan cinema. We know that Fede Alvarez is from there. He did Evil Dead and he shot up, you know, through science fiction and horror films. And that kind of like, you know, put uh, Uruguay and Fede Alvarez sort of on the map in the modern era, I guess in the last 20 years or so. What's the culture of Uruguayan cinema right now in 2021? Is it horror movie based? Is there a lot of movies being made? Uh, good question. Uh, it has evolved a lot uh, from when I was a kid and I thought, okay, I gotta get out and then go to the States. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it has uh, a lot more film funding for it. And when I started trying to make actual uh, you know, fantasy films, more genre-based uh, films, uh, about 15 years ago, that wasn't possible with the film funding. And this is kind of like, mm -hmm. actually one of the first films that got some of that, those fundings for a genre film, for a slasher, which is amazing. So it has evolved. It has uh, uh, um, more uh, industry to it too. It works uh, mm -hmm. more, um, I mean, I, and now with the, 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 the last year uh, helped a lot to, to build up more industry with the with the series being shot there and all that. But uh, still, for uh, for genre filmmaking, for uh, I'll say into entertainment more more entertainment based films and fantasy yeah. subjects, it's still hard. <laughs> it's still tough. It takes time, but. Um, there's a lot of art house. I love art house. And there's a lot of those movies going on and they're championed more because of the festivals and all that, all that, the festival circuit for them. And there's a lot of great filmmaking and great filmmakers. And I think there's a lot of just talent from, for any kind of movie. So I, I think it needs to be a little more balanced. It, it, it has started already to be a little more balanced and help out also different expressions because that that nurtures the culture and i think i really want to make a really rio platense kind of uh, uh, uruguayan uh, rio platense because of the argentinian part uh film horror film in a very classic way but it really rooted in in, in that corner of the world because it's a necessity for me it's a necessity so that was right. the objective um in a way, because I know that, yeah, once you want to, you know, make uh, a job out of this and make it just, you know, work it out, you had to get out a little bit. You had to move around. You know, here in America, uh, race is such a big component of content yeah. today. Watching your movie, obviously there's no black people, there's no indigenous people. The question is, do they exist within this universe? Do those types of, you know, I asked Woody Allen one day, how is it possible that you can make a New York film without black people or without Latinos? <laughs> it exists just in a white Jewish context, you know, as if you go to New York yeah. and that's the movie you see. Did that play, did race ever play a role in casting for your movies or do you just do the, what the story that you want to do is? Yeah, it plays. I, actually, I think it plays. I think about it, but I, I just, I really think in, 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 I guess I think in visual terms more, more than, than anything. Creo que hay una parte, okay, hay una parte que estoy muy de acuerdo que es que hay una parte que tiene que representarse y que creo que en esta historia simplemente no, no encontré 
de, el, el, el personaje como para, para darlo por, un, por una cuestión mía visual. Pero no es por una cuestión de negación, para nada. So it's not, it's not like, it's, it's, it's just what happened in this story and how I conceived it in this story. I will think about it very much in depth in next projects, which I, I actually do. Still, there's so, some in the, uh -huh. in the movie being projected, there's some, some African-Americans in the movie. I'm sure you can have black people in the movie, but the what I think the, the complaint about black uh, in cinema is that they're always the background, right? Never yeah, I know, the protagonist. I know. But now we're starting to have those conversations about colorism. We're starting to have that conversation about being white Latino and the consequences that that has for representation for a black Latino. So for example, Brazil, which is mostly black, but yet doesn't see themselves represented in white cinema in Brazil. So it was just very interesting to kind of just, you know, touch yeah. on that subject and with I, you. And I, I agree with you and I, I agree with you. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, hidden resistance in, mm. in and Argentina, mostly. I think it, it is, it is hidden. Good I did wanna, Good. Uh, I did wanna ask you about Hollywood. So a few years ago, I was talking to Gael Garcia Bernal. I asked him, don't you want to be a part of the mainstream as opposed to just doing Mexican cinema? I mean, isn't that the, the peak of, this, of the industry for him? And he goes, like, why do I care about Hollywood? That's just the concept. It's just the style. And it was interesting to me how he diminished Hollywood, even though Hollywood has essentially created the style for cinema uh, and been the most influential source of cinema throughout the entire world for the last 100 years. Not that Italian cinema hasn't or Latin America cinema hasn't. How, what is your relationship with Hollywood? There's a group of people, of artists and creators that just hate Hollywood, ah, all the cliches, all the stereotypes. It's the same scenes. Look at this. It's so cheesy and corny. Uh, I hate Hollywood. You could see Hollywood a mile away. That's not real cinema. Yeah. So for the purists, I guess there's a problem. But for just a regular director that wants to make a living off of it, what is your relationship with Hollywood today? What do you what is your generation's relationship with Hollywood today? It's a really good question because It's really mixed up. It's, it's, it's really mixed up, uh, for sure. I think there's more uh, rejection than uh, 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 approach to it. But there's also, in a way, uh, because of how I think how Uruguayans are wired and Argentinians too, that it's um, Hollywood legitim legitimizes in a way mm -hmm. because they don't. We are very much uh, not, uh, we don't care about what we do around us. It's just, it, it's how, it, I guess we, we were wired. It's not like I, I like the way it, uh, the society is wired, but it's really very much uh, this, this thing about, uh, okay, if you get there mostly, except for Gael Garcia, which has a great point and kind of like, cut the chains of that, that mindset. But if you don't kind of reach, like in a, in a, in, in a sort of way, like the Fede Alvarez did or something like that, if you don't reach to that, to that height or something, um, that sort of like, I guess, distribu distribution, <laughs> I don't know, 
it's not it's not it's, you don't you don't you don't get you didn't get uh, that it's not legit you didn't legitimize something one part is that and the other part says it's now it's shit <laughs> so <laughs> and, 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 and we appreciate when a festival from europe claps uh you know a, a third world movie oh yeah and about our problems and yes <laughs> uh, so it's very very interesting point because I think that, that there's a mixed up in the there's a two waves of, of thinking and I don't know what's gonna come up of that but uh, there's a lot of filmmaking filmmaking students growing up eager to make films and I think they're pulling more out of uh, of the Hollywood dogma that than than pushing wanting to push in at this point I think that I think. Maybe the, the, the younger generations, I think they're rejecting more than appreciated. But I don't know because uh, the landscape has changed so much about producing with the series and with the streamers and all that. So it's all mixed up now because it's uh, making also our house is, is kind of mixed up with making the, the wide audience entertainment in, in the streaming platform. So it's, I, I have no idea what's going to come up. <laughs> I, I think. It will be better to to I guess embrace both both things. I I, I was very much into I mean I I, I study in, in in Europe. I I did scholarships and stuff in uh, you know Rotterdam Film Festival in Amsterdam and all the, all those uh, different views which are really castrating of Hollywood. So I, ha I have those mm. two points of views. I appreciate both in a way, the good and the bad of both. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe something better comes out from 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 all for, from that reasoning in, in in Uruguay or in Argentina. I think it's it's good to question yourself all the time about what why why are you doing the, the kind of movies you're doing. So it's always good to be questioning. And um, just to, to close it up a little bit, this I'm very much not into just making just one kind of movie. Mm -hmm. I bet I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of like uh, working on different kind of subjects. I'm finishing kind of like a musical documentary. I did a very weird, uh, weird, not weird, uh, about a, an accident in the 70s that was covered up by the government. I did a documentary about that. It's called Blade Elysis. It's called Blades, and it, it it didn't get very much distribution for obvious reasons. So yes, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm, I'm maybe I'm not the best one to figure this out because I kind of like I like both both things from both worlds. I don't know. <laughs> Maximiliano Contenti. The name of the movie is called The Last Matinee. It's in theaters now, and it's going to be on VOD, digital, and DVD on August 24th. Go check it out. It's called The Last Matinee. Maximiliano, muchísimas gracias por estar en el Highly Relevant Podcast. Muchas gracias. <laughs> Before we continue with our music playlist, I want to talk to you about the All of Us Research Program. Now, as you know, Hispanic culture is pop culture. We are leaving our mark everywhere from music to food to fashion. 
One place where we need to make an impact is scientific research. All of us want to include our voices in research so we have a better idea of how unique we are genetically and to see if we're prone to other diseases. Did you know individuals of Puerto Rican descent are roughly twice as likely to develop diabetes as someone with South American heritage? Join the revolution by participating in All of Us. Visit joinallofus.org slash highly relevant. Just before I wrap up here, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Que locura, J Los viejos vinagres, los auténticos decadentes y Panteón Rococo. Todo y nada, Playa Limbo. That's it for episode 158 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Maximiliano Contenti for being on the show. And if you like what you heard, please share with your friends and have them subscribe and leave a review. It helps the show be heard by many more people. If you would like to get in touch with me, reach out on Twitter at JackRicoOfficial, Instagram at JackRico, or YouTube at JackRico. With that said, I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.